Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen. As you're seated, tell the person next to you, say, hey, don't forget your keys. Come on, tell somebody, don't forget your keys. This story takes place six months before Jesus' crucifixion. He's with his 12 closest friends, the disciples, and he asks them, Really the most important question that anybody could ever ask you, the most, most important question that you could ever answer in your life, who do you say Jesus is? Friends, that's a question that every one of us here watching online, every person in this world now and for until Jesus comes again has to answer that question. And how you answer that question affects not only the rest of your life on earth, but it affects your eternal destiny as well. And it's not good enough just to say, well, I went to the Kosh Church for five years, 10 years, 15 years. <laughs> That's not a good, good enough answer. Peter said, you are the Christ. In other words, you are the anointed one. You are the Messiah. You are the one that we've heard about, that we've read about in the scriptures, the one that God has promised to come and to save us. And you are the son of the living God. You are divine. You are God in the flesh. And Jesus answers and says, on this rock, and he's not referring to Peter himself, he's referring, Jesus is referring to himself and the confession on me and on this confession of faith, I will build my church. The word church in Greek, ekklesia, is an interesting word. It means, it means called, calling out or gathering together, and the church is not a building, the church is a people. Come on, the church is you and I, if you know the Lord. We are the church. We are the people of God, the capital C church, brothers and sisters, believers all around the world. And Jesus promises, I will build my church individually. He is building you. He's building your life. He's the architect and the contractor. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has a blueprint and a plan for your life. He's financed it and paid for it with his own blood. And corporately, for those who know him all around the world, he is building his church. And guess what? That includes us, the Kosh Church. Jesus is building the Kosh Church. We are a prevailing church. We're not limited by four walls. We're at our best in the worst of times. We run towards need, not away from it. We love so powerfully that natural forces of division have no place in our church family. They might in the world or in culture, but not here in our family. 
We operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't bow to the lies of culture. We stand on the truth of God's word. And we believe for the miraculous and invade the impossible through prayer. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Come on, 1130, help me preach. You guys, come on, get, get, a little, get a little interested here. And the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, the powers of hell, some translations say, shall not prevail against you and shall not prevail against the church. In ancient times, the, the planning and the strategies took place at the city gates. Jesus is saying that my people, I am building my people, and they will storm the very strategies and plans of hell, and every single one of them will be defeated and shall not prosper in my name. This world and this system will not dominate them. So no matter what happens in our world, no matter what happens in our culture, no matter what knucklehead decisions are being made at the highest political levels in our state and in our country, no matter what evil might come against the church, us as believers, we win because Jesus is one. As the old preacher says, read the back of the book. And because he wins, we win. And then Jesus says, I will give you, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We start a series today that we're simply calling Keys of the Kingdom. It'll probably take us through the rest of this month. We're gonna talk about seven keys of the kingdom. Today, I'm only gonna talk about one, and I'll talk about it very briefly at the end of my message. We'll talk about the other ones in the coming weeks. But in order to understand what the keys of the kingdom are, we first must understand what is the kingdom of God. Because I think some of us just don't know or we have some misperceptions. The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God are synonymous terms. They are interchangeable. They mean exactly the same thing. Jesus used both of those terms. The New Testament does as well, but they mean the same thing. The, the disciple John, who wrote the Gospel of John and some other books of the, of the New Testament, he often uses the word eternal life or everlasting life. That is his reference to the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, he uses the term in Christ. We are in Christ. We are new creations in Christ, and he's referring to being in the kingdom. Jesus' entire preaching, teaching, ministry, demonstration was centered and focused on the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. His cousin John the Baptist came, and what did John say? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus came and preached the same thing. The disciples preached the same thing. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. And it is the job of the church to continue to preach that. The good news, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. If you're gonna understand the kingdom of heaven, there's I think three words, three concepts that you need to grasp onto. And it is realm, reign, and rule. Would you say those words with me? Realm, come, come on, realm, reign, and rule. Number one, realm means the scope of God's rule, which is transcendent. In other words, it includes everything, everything in the visible realm and the invisible realm. God is the creator. He exceeds his creation. Colossians 1 says that everything we see in the visible realm was created out of the invisible realm. The invisible realm, the invisible realm, friends, is more real than what we see here. We, it came, it came, everything we see came from the invisible realm. I want to unpack this a little bit more. Number two is reign. 
Reign is the power by which God rules, which is exercised by his will, his word, and his works. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. Jesus reigns. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. Every knee shall bow on heaven and on earth and under the earth, the Bible says, and declare that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. If you don't do it in this life, you will when you stand before God. He is the king. Number three is rule, which is the exercise of God's life, power, and authority. The exercise of God's life, power, and authority. If you're a parent, you understand rule or rulership because it is your job to rule over your children. That's how God instituted it. That is our job, to rule over our kids. And I think, you know, being a parent is the most important thing that you can do. It's probably also the most frustrating thing that you do, right? My son is 11 years old. I don't know how many times I've told him, son, wash your hands after you go to the bathroom. It's like, hello, come on. You need to also understand rulership in the kingdom of heaven. So I'm gonna give you five statements. I'm gonna do it real quick. And if you're taking notes, you probably won't be able to write everything down, so take a screenshot or something or go back and watch it later. But if you wanna understand rulership in the kingdom of heaven, you need to understand this. Number one is God's original intention for humankind was to be in relationship with him and have rulership or dominion under him. This, friends, this is important because most of us only think about relationship, we don't think about rulership. Number two is that Adam and Eve were deceived by the enemy, Satan, and disobeyed God, and sin, when they, when they disobeyed God, sin affected their relationship with God, and their rulership was forfeited to Satan. They handed over their right to rule planet Earth and have dominion, they handed that over to the enemy. That's part of what was lost in sin. Number three, what was forfeited by the first Adam was restored by the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Our relationship with God and our rulership under God. That's what Paul writes about in Romans chapter five, an incredible chapter. He says, this is everything that Adam lost. This is everything that Christ has gained for us. The, the, the first Adam lost all of this. The second Adam has gained all of this. Number four is that Jesus proclaimed, demonstrated, and opened the kingdom of heaven to all who believe and receive him as their king. And then number five, Jesus commissioned his followers, the church, to bring God's restoring rulership, the kingdom of heaven, to bear upon Satan's destroying rulership, the kingdom of darkness, by using the keys of the kingdom. You still with me? Hello, everybody with me? Okay. So listen, <clears throat> the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it is a present reality. It is, it is here and now. In fact, Jesus says, when you come into relationship with me, you are born into the kingdom. You are born again into the kingdom of God into this invisible realm. But when Jesus comes again, which Pastor Junior just referenced, at his second coming, we will experience the fullness of the kingdom of heaven in all of its glory. So it's a present reality and a future hope. <clears throat> but when Jesus came, 
He overthrew the kingdom of darkness. Death, destruction, deprivation, disease, they were defeated by Jesus, and now Jesus offers us the blessing of the kingdom, the blessing of God's rule and reign in our lives. The Bible says, Paul says in Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. My, my dad, when he would preach about the kingdom, because Jesus, when he died on the cross and he rose from the dead, the Bible says that he went into hell itself and he took back the keys of death. He took back the keys of death from the enemy. And my dad said he kicked down the gates of hell and said there's a new sheriff in town because he made the kingdom of heaven available here and now. Friends, the powers of hell shall not prevail against a key-wielding church. Come on, somebody. In fact, I want you to take your, your physical keys out right now. Find, get your keys out. I want you to shake them. I want to hear them. Take your keys out. Some of you are being disobedient. I'm going to slap you with my keys. Some of you ladies are still looking in your purse for your keys, aren't you? I, I have never understood. This has been a, I have been perplexed by this my whole life. I've always thought if I were a woman and I carried around a purse with me, I would put my keys in the same place every time. In fact, I would have one of my little zipper compartments that when I'm done with my keys, I would unzip it, I would put my keys in there, I would zip it up, I would actually call it my key, my key pocket. So then when I'm looking for my keys, I would unzip my key pocket and I would pull my keys out quickly. And never again would I be confused or frustrated or irritated or mad at my husband because I didn't know where my keys were. But that's just me. I don't know. Maybe that doesn't make any sense. I, I don't know. The one thing about losing your keys is it helps your prayer life, doesn't it? It's like some of your prayer life gets real intense when you lose your keys. Oh, God, I will do anything. I will go anywhere. Just help me find my car keys. Listen, just as your physical keys represent some important truths. The keys of the kingdom represent some important spiritual truths. I want to give you three. This, I think this is fun. Number one is access. Say access. The keys of the kingdom represent access. Just as your car keys give you access to your car, your house keys give you access to your house, your work keys give you access to your workplace, the keys of the kingdom give you access to the invisible realm. There, there are two there are two realms, there are two dimensions in which things are bound and loosed. One of them is the visible realm, which is what all of us see. The other is the invisible realm. To some of us, I know this, sound, this sounds weird and you don't believe it. And you might love Jesus and be going to heaven. You don't believe it. I don't care if you believe it or not. You can choose what you want. But if you're only going to operate in the visible realm, you're going you're to miss out on a whole lot of what God wants to do in and through your life. And the, and the devil is going to beat you up and you're going to struggle with things your whole life. Because the Bible says that we don't, walk by, we, we don't walk by what we see, we walk by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. I'm trying to teach you, I'm trying to teach you something. The keys of the kingdom give you access into the invisible realm. So that's why Jesus, when he says, when they say, Lord, teach us how to pray, what does he say? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth, the visible realm, as it is in heaven, the invisible realm. 
And so Jesus says, I give you access to the kingdom of God. So whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So that's why, that's why we say in the name of Jesus, I loose, all right, I bind sickness. I bind sickness. I come against COVID in the name of Jesus. I bind this demonic sickness and I loose health and healing in my, in my son's life. I bind depression in my mind, this crippling darkness. I bind it in Jesus' name, and I loose the peace of God to rule and reign in my heart and in my mind. I bind unforgiveness and bitterness that I have towards my spouse, and I loose, God, give me your supernatural love. Give me your patience for my wife, Lord, that I would love beyond my own ability, that we would have a good, strong, healthy marriage. Come on, God, I bind the San Francisco Giants and I loose the Dodgers offense to dominate them. <laughs> so keys give you, they give you access. Number two, keys represent partnership. Partnership. I have the exact same set of keys as Jenny because everything that she has access to, I have access to. She's my life partner. So we have the same set of keys. She's my bride. Friends, guess what? We are the bride of Christ. He's the bridegroom, we're the bride. Jesus says, I'm coming back for my bride. I'm coming back for a strong, beautiful, powerful bride. I know for men that you know, seems a little bit weird, but it's talking, about, it's talking about there's such an intimate relationship that we have with God, but we are the bride. So listen, listen, you are in partnership with Jesus, so everything that Jesus has, you have. That's what, that is what Jesus taught. Everything that I have, I give to you. All power, all authority that the Father has given me, now I give to you. I give you the, the Holy Spirit that you saw at my baptism that came and empowered me and filled me. And all of the signs, wonders, miracles, everything that you've heard me teach, everything you've seen me do the past three and a half years, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rise from the dead. I'm going to ascend to heaven. And then I'm going to baptize you and fill you with the Holy Spirit. So the things that I did, you're going to keep doing. I'm going to place the kingdom of heaven in you so that my life and my power and my authority will happen in your life and fix you and change you and make you the kind of men and women that you're created to be, give you peace and joy in God's life. It will happen in you and through you to change the world around you. Friends, you are in partnership with God. Come on, somebody should say amen. You're in partnership with him. Wherever the king is, the kingdom is. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in me, the hope of glory. So the way that you ought to think about the kingdom is that the presence of God, the presence of the king is with me. And everywhere I go, I'm taking the kingdom with me as well. In any, in any realm I step into, I'm taking the kingdom with me. I'm, I'm advancing the kingdom everywhere I go physically. Have you thought, by the way, about how much God loves you and believes in you that he would allow you to partner with him? That's incredible. That's an incredible thought. As broken and messed up and jacked up as we are, God loves me so much that he wants to partner with me. Friends, that's how God works. He has always worked through his people. Read scripture from the front to the back. That's why God himself came to this planet. 
because he works in partnership with us, with his people. Your, your life is so incredibly valuable to the kingdom of God. You, you don't even realize it. Number three, what keys represent? They represent authority. The keys of the kingdom, they represent authority. Your car keys represent authority. They give you access to a powerful vehicle. Unless you're driving a Prius. Come on, somebody, help me preach. <laughs> Unless you're driving a Prius. By the way, why are Prius drivers the craziest, most angry drivers on the world? Can anybody answer that question as well? It's like, why you, this, the Priuses are driving all over, they're speeding, it's like, how does this little weird look, and if you have a Prius, I'm sorry. The, the, the second craziest drivers are moms in minivans. Come on, they're, they're, they're dangerous. Dropping your kids off at school, you need to pray. You know, Lord, help me in Jesus' name, protect me. Jesus called, Luke chapter 9, he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Wow. Friends, you and I have that same authority. We have authority to unlock spiritual prison doors, to shatter Satan's chains and set spiritual prisoners free, to bind demonic attacks, to lose God's power and presence and peace in our lives. But we must partner with him, with God to move in the authority that he's given us. Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you lose. It's a conditional tense in, the, in, the, in that language. It's, it's really saying whatever you may or may not bind. In other words, if it's gonna happen, if the kingdom of heaven is gonna happen in this situation, it's up to you because I've already given it to you. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 32, do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I love that to give you the kingdom. You know what he's saying? Emmanuel, just sit there. This is what he's saying. In, in the, put your hand out, Emmanuel. I'm not gonna hurt you. He's, he's like this, looking at me real, real scared. Is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's like, it's, it's literally saying like, I'm handing you the keys. And, and, there, and there's, there's a desire that I have to hand this to you, to press it into your hand. I so want you to have access to the king, kingdom of God. I so want you to have the same power that I had, the same authority. I'm pressing it. I'm pressing it into your hand. And so it's up to you. You can, you can take it. You can ignore it. Are you using the keys of the kingdom? Friends, have you taken the, the keys of the kingdom of God? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, listen to this. Emmanuel, give me my keys back later, right? Those are my car keys. I need those. He said, listen, he said, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, this is Jesus speaking, this is incredible. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That's the title of my message, take it by force. I'm 32 minutes into this thing and I just got to the title of my message. My dad would get proud because my messages are getting longer and longer. Take it by force. Jesus is not talking about a physical violence. That's not what he's, he's talking about spiritual violence. He said, he said, John the Baptist came, called by God, set apart by God, anointed in his mother's womb, filled with the Holy Spirit. My cousin John came in as a forerunner, and what did he say? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. When John started to preach that, 
the, the kingdom of heaven started to come into this earth in a way that it never had before. And Jesus came as a fulfillment. That's why John says, I'm not even worthy. He said, he's the one. There's a one coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend down and tie his sandals. He will baptize you with fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I baptize you with water. And so Jesus came preaching, repent. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus at one point says the kingdom of heaven is within you. It's here, it's now. You can reach out and grab it. It is here right now because you're looking at the king. And so people came and they started to get birthed into this new, new kingdom. This invisible realm began to open. And so listen, we are supposed to be people that, you know, love are filled with God's love. We ought to love, we ought to be gentle, we ought to be kind. Come on, we ought to be the sweetest, kindest. We ought to be more like Sarah. Come on, she's so nice. Filled with, we gotta love people. You heard the phrase before, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Come on, somebody, we gotta be. When it comes to people, we ought to, we ought to love them unconditionally, like God loves us. But when it comes to spiritual things in the invisible realm, there ought to be a violence and an aggression and a holy passion and a holy fire that I'm gonna lay hold of this. I'm gonna take this by force. Listen, because there is a real enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You might think, I don't believe this stuff in the devil. Friends, then you are just naive. You either haven't been beaten, I don't know, you, you have your head in the sand. There is an enemy, he hates you more than you can possibly imagine, more than I can describe. He is doing everything he can in your life, in your wife's life, in your kid's life, in your grandkid's life, to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you think about that long enough, that ought to, this is 1130, that ought to piss you off. Honestly, there ought to be a holy anger and righteousness and no, 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 not, not on my watch, not today, devil. And so Jesus says, Take it by force. Kingdom is, there's, there's a violence in the invisible realm. Ephesians 6, Paul says, we don't wrestle and fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, demonic forces. So put on the full armor of God and fight. You can either be ignorant of that, or you can say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna advance. The kingdom of heaven is gonna advance in my life, in my family. There, there are four realms that God has given you spiritual authority over, by the way, friends. Number one is your physical home, where you live, your physical home. That's why when you walk into some houses, isn't it, Pastor Junior, you can feel God's peace. You can walk into some other houses and say, there's something funky going on in here. Some of you in here right now, I, I know this for a fact, some of you in here right now in your physical home, there is dark, demonic, weird stuff going on on a regular basis. And you know why? I, I'm gonna say this in, in love, but it's because you've allowed it. You've allowed it into your house because if you know the Lord, it has no right, only if you allow it. And so Ouija boards, tarot cards, horoscopes, all that stuff is absolute garbage. You might think, you might think it's not a big deal, friends. There are demonic associations to tie that. There is stuff in the invisible realm that you cannot see, but it's real. And that's why you're being tormented at night. That's why some of you have night terrors. Listen, if you know the Lord, you have authority to kick that stuff out. If you don't know how, the, how to do that, that's why we're here. Talk to Pastor Junior, talk to Marilyn, talk to Pastor Judy. We will come over, we will pray the devil out of your house. We will anoint it with oil. I'm telling you, you'll see a change and a difference. I'm not kidding. You know, the second realm that God has given you is your body. Your body, the Bible says, Paul writes, he says, you have been bought with the blood of Christ. Therefore, honor God with your body. And some of us put stuff into our bodies that has no place. 
All right, I'm going to preach a little bit right here. I don't I even straight from my notes. I don't even normally do that. I, all right, listen, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, drugs, certainly illegal drugs, every single one of them has demonic attachments. And we, I can, Junior and I, Marilyn, I can tell you story after story, what seems, what seems, what starts off just innocent, man, it leads, it leads very quickly into demonic bondage. If nothing else, if something has control over you, the Bible says you're in bondage. You are a slave to that thing. And if nothing else, you ought not to be, the Bible says, don't be a slave to anything except to God himself. And listen, I don't care what our country legalizes. All right, I'll, I'll step out of that. Let me say another thing. Any kind of sexual activity or intercourse, and I know we've had politicians in the past that have tried to redefine what that is. Any kind of sexual activity or intercourse that is outside a covenant marriage relationship between a husband and a wife, the Bible calls that sin. So, so if you're engaged and you're really in love and you're, you're sleeping together, you're living in sin. And well, you know what? We just really, really love each other and love is love. No, no, friends, you're, 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 you're living in sin. And sin is always, first and foremost, an offense against God. It is always. Sexual sin is also a sin against another person. And Paul says it's a sin against your own body. And there's different kinds of consequences. Listen, I don't say that to put any sort of guilt or shame on anybody. I'm just telling you, in our culture today, some of us just don't know that. And we don't hear that. And some of us just don't believe it. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. So listen, if you're, if you're dealing with either of those things, we will, if you wanna get freed, we will help you. If you wanna repent, repent, confess your sin, we will, help, we will help you walk in freedom. If you wanna keep living in that, that's up to you. But God has given you your body as a realm. You know the third thing is your family. Your, your marriage, your kids, your grandkids, your extended family. And listen, men, it is our job, it is your job, it is my job to lead our family spiritually. And I know sometimes our wives, you know, they'll step in. We need to be men of God. And that, that, is, that is the biblical example. And it is not, if you understand scripture at all, you know that's not a dominating thing. That, that is a servant kind of thing. It is our job to serve, serve our families and lead our wives and lead our children spiritually. Don't abdicate that to anybody else. We will help you do that. Talk to Pastor Joe, Pastor Junior, Pastor Chris. We will help you. That's why we have a men's ministry. That's why you ought to come out to the men's event in a few weeks on a Friday night. That's why men gather together. Iron sharpens iron. The fourth area is your relationships, your friendships, your, 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 neighbor, your neighbors. Whatever sphere of influence God has given you, you have a realm, and it is your job to, to exercise and advance kingdom authority over those areas. Amen? We take the kingdom by force using the keys of the kingdom that Jesus has given us to extend his life, his power, his authority. So where there's darkness, we bring light. Where there's hatred, we bring love. Where there's depression, we bring hope. Where there's pain, we bring healing. Where there's sin, we bring grace. Keys of the kingdom, here's, here's the one key, and I'm closing right now, so, so band, come on out. Key number one is prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. 
It's a powerful spiritual key that breaks evil bondage. Read Isaiah 58 or the book of Esther. And we just finished 21 days of prayer and fasting. I preached two messages. My mom preached uh, messages on that. Uh, so I don't need to say much. I want to read this quote, though, from Pastor Jack Hayford about prayer. This is a great quote. If you're taking notes or you might want to just take a picture of this. He says, prayer is tangibly moving into the invisible realm and doing battle against the enemy, pressing back the darkness, establishing the kingdom, intruding into the invisible realm that rules in this world by impressing upon another realm, the kingdom of God. That's so good. That's what it is. That's what it is. It's a key of the kingdom, prayer and fasting. All kingdom ministry begins with, is sustained by, and will triumph through prayer. I want you to put your stuff down, stand to your feet if you would, with me. We're gonna pray the Lord's Prayer, not as a religious ritual, but because there's so much power when you pray these words with faith and intentionality. Would you repeat this prayer with me? Let's pray this prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes for a moment, friends? If you're here today or you're watching online and you're not in relationship with God, it all starts there. There's, there's no rulership under God if you're not first in relationship with God. And the only way to be in relationship with him is through his son, Jesus Christ. He is the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Jesus came, he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross, shed his blood. The Bible says that his blood cleanses us, forgives us of all of our sin. He rose from the dead, conquered death itself. And he offers us abundant and eternal life. But you have to make a choice. God loves you so much. He loves you so much, but he's given you free will. You have to make a choice to receive it. Maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you prayed a prayer. You've walked away. You find yourself here today. You want to come back to the Lord, come back into relationship with him. I want to give you that opportunity. Have you made that decision? Who do you say Jesus is? It's not enough to know about him. You need to know him personally. Jesus says, at one point he tells the parable, he says, Lord, we did all these miracles in your name and blah, blah, blah. And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Wow, that's scary. Do you know him, friends? It affects the rest of your life. It affects your eternal destiny because you're created for eternal life, which is called heaven. But if you reject him in this life, you will spend eternity separated from him, which the Bible calls hell. That's not meant for you, friends, but you have to make a decision. If you, I wanna give you that opportunity to make that decision here this morning. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. Today's the day you're the person, you make the choice and God will make the change in your life. If you wanna make that decision right now, I wanna agree with you. I won't embarrass you, I won't call you out, but I want to see you and agree with you. With everybody's heads bowed, eyes closed, 
on the count of three, if you say, John, I want to be in relationship with God. I'm making that decision for the first time or I'm coming back to him. I want you to raise your hand and look at me on the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Hold your hand up. Look at me until I see you. Until I see you. There's a couple right here. Wow, praise the Lord. So good. I see you, sir. That's awesome. Today's the day of salvation for you. Wow, praise God. I see you, friend in the back. I met you before service. Praise the Lord. Anybody else here this morning? That's so good. Somebody, I see you, young lady over here. Wow, incredible. Thank you, Lord. I see you, young man. You're serious about this, aren't you? Yeah. You want to know the Lord, don't you? God has a great plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, go home and read it. Memorize that verse. Man, praise the Lord. Several people here this morning. Yep, I see you. I see you, friend in the back. I saw him. Thank you. Thanks for pointing him out. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so at our church, we pray a prayer of salvation and confession. It's, it's not your last step in knowing the Lord. It's your first step, opening up a new life to you. So there's like, I don't know, four, five, six people, a lot of people who raise their hand. Church, can we pray this prayer in support of them? Let's pray it really loud and strong this morning. Just repeat this after me, a phrase at a time. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I confess that I'm a sinner. And right now I ask Jesus to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I surrender my life to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me a new person. I declare that heaven is my home. I bind any agreement I've made with the devil. And I declare that I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, church, can we celebrate that? Amen, amen. Wow, it's so good. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.